Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry House. Thanks for joining me. This time around, I want to talk about who's doing all this consumer spending you hear about in the media. Is there any inflation? A reoccurring question. And uh, a little quip in there to remind myself that's just not quite just in time about manufacturing and some of the holdups going on. Relatively good news out in the numbers. Uh, the first quarter estimate of GDP, 6.4, right where we thought it was going to be. That will probably increase over the course of the three estimates per quarter. Unemployment stayed at six. Jobless claims down a little tiny bit. Crude oil is staying in the 60s. That's a sweet spot for the industry. I don't think it's going to creep out of there much. And the yield curve looks pretty good, though rates are still down. Mortgages creeping down. There is some spending, and uh, I don't want to discount that. Here is basically, you notice some of the bars. Here's the first round of the stimulus checks. Ah, next quarter, spending picks up. Here's second round, spending picks up. Third round, that's exactly what it's supposed to be doing. We're talking 10, 12% of total consumer spending comes from these stimulus checks. That is the Band-Aid that is letting the underlying economy heal. It's working very well. The last administration and this administration are continuing these programs. As we enter into the argument that says, gee, enough's enough, things are doing fine, so on and so forth. Well, okay. Things are doing, let's go with fine. GDP in the U.S. is up. 6.4. Uh, true year-over-year year change, 0.4. Not great, but positive. Better than almost all the rest of the world. It is important to remember that the side that these numbers affects the most are those that are beneficiaries of the spending side of things. But there's a lot of that spending that isn't going on. Airline tickets, movies, expensive dinners out, that kind of stuff. Even new car sales have slowed. Housing has moved right along, but there's really not a lot of beneficiaries to that. There's a huge amount of money transferred, generally to an individual, out of one account, disappeared. It really isn't part of spending. The question has come up again, uh, and, and I'm fine with that. I just need to explain this correctly so we resolve it. Here is, and I've talked about a couple of times, this is M2. This is money in checking and savings accounts. It's $20 trillion. Well, great. Over the course of time, that's built. It picked up a lot uh, with some of the stimulus in 2020. And... Uh, Okay. Now, the other side of that is this. This is M2V. M2V. That's the velocity of M2. That is the amount of times, the ratio, how many times that dollar goes out of one account into another account, out of one hand into another hand. That's velocity. That is the big part of inflation, where there's a lot of this going on, a lot of that, a lot of transactions. Well, no, there's not a lot of transactions out there. It has slowed considerably. Again, that's the side of spending that is not happening. 
That's the side of the economy that is waiting to, we're calling it heal. It is waiting to decide, well, let's go out and buy some stuff right now. They're not doing it. I'm sorry this slide is so dark, it's kind of dense. But on the top, up there in blue, is the S&P 500 from about 1970. On the bottom, the green, that's basically a representation of the velocity of M2 since the same time period. There used to be correlation between, gee, there's a lot of activity, so the S&P 500 goes up. What isn't shown in here is the huge inflation cycle we went through during this time period. And if you're under 50, you probably wouldn't have any recollection of it anyway. But at about 2000, shortly after 2000, the correlation between these two broke. The velocity started to slow and the S&P 500 continued to move forward. There's a lot of reasons for that. We could spend an hour talking about it, but the big ones are the S&P 500 started getting a lot of its own money, which it had. There's a lot of people that accumulated cash, never went into the market and just hung on to it. That's part of the velocity. The biggest one is at the end of a huge inflation cycle like we had, there's a lot of money left over. The dollar lost value, you needed more dollars. When all that came back and corrected, lo and behold, there's a lot of dollars. That's where we are. There is a little inflation out there. It remains mostly in energy. The PCE numbers year over year, 1.8. That's still well behind the 2% that the Fed has been trying to keep for the last 15 years. And that is transitory. It's not going to stay. There's not enough force there to keep that, even that relatively low number up at 1.8. Interest rates have come down and they crept back up a little bit. And officially, even though Niebuhr hasn't announced it yet, uh, this recession is over. We're back in positive numbers in GDP and moving forward. Interest rates have cooled. They have not accelerated. There was a little bit of momentum there. I think that is gone. You'd think there'd be a lot of motivation to keep interest rates creeping up because there's so much activity in the housing market. Well, no. New mortgage applications are down. You look at a lot of these impressive house numbers, these are all cash transactions. Nationwide, the typical new purchase mortgage is 400,000. That's not gonna get you anywhere in a lot of these markets. The refi numbers are still below quarter million, and they're slowly declining. This is a cash marketplace. It has no impact on where the interest rates are going, so it's cooling. Corporations, net earnings, net profit margins, great again. This is the driver of the S&P 500. Last 12 months of the indices, the NASDAQ, S&P 500, Dow, yeah, they're doing fairly well. We have recovered from shutting the lights out. They're moving forward. There are no bubbles here. This is earnings related. Every four or five days, there's a little correction in there and the market tries to look at the amount of margin money, look at earnings aren't great, look at they can't get the chips at Ford Motor, all kinds of things. Recovers right away. People start buying again. The Eurozone is still in recession. 
They are clearly in recession. It's going to take them a while to get out of recession, Germany especially. Right now, they're not selling many cars to their most important customer, Americans. They profess to sell some in China. Well, anyway, if Germany isn't selling cars, things aren't going well. And fundamental philosophy in the government there is people will work out, but the government still needs to have a balanced budget and do well. On the other hand, here is a, a large piece of political philosophy, which I normally stay out of. The United States has a great track record starting in 2008 for throwing money at these economic problems. When the big financial problems developed in 2008, built around real estate, well, they threw money at the problem. A lot of the rest of the world didn't. Took them a lot longer to recover. As soon as the lights went out in 2020, the last administration threw some spending money out there. It was very effective. This current administration is throwing spending money out there. And we're now in the process of discussing, gee, how much money does the consumer really need? Well, we're talking about the consumer that does need the money. We're talking about the consumer that's 10% of consumer spending, and they need it. They're paying rent, so on and so forth. The other part of spending, where the M2 money supply is, that money is sitting there right now. They really aren't out buying plane tickets or hotel rooms or anything like that yet. We're waiting for that to heal. On the just-in-time thing, those of you that have been in manufacturing, it is a term that describes somebody like Ford Motor gets all its parts just when they need it. The seats, the engine, the electronics, the radio, all that kind of stuff. They're all there. A lot of manufacturing is there right now. Well, they're saying, gee, we don't have any chips. We don't have any transistors. We don't have any of this, so on and so forth. These are all parts of the problem of the supply chain that is changing and recovering for when we shut the lights out. Houston had some weather problems there for a little while and some problems with electricity. So there's a lot of plastic molds and rosins that didn't get delivered into a system that wanted every drop. There's a lot of lumber that hasn't gotten delivered because you couldn't get a flat car in Canada for months at a time. And now they're just trying to catch up and keep up with the new building. Prices go up. Prices go up. Gee, I can't get a chip for the fuel supply for the new Suburban. So General Motors is delivering them without a real sophisticated fuel management system. It runs fine. It just doesn't have as good of mileage. This stuff is going to be resolved. There's going to be more manufacturing done in the United States. And some of these car manufacturers are going to regret not ordering more stuff, anticipating that sales were going to go way down when the lights went out. They did for a little while, but they recovered in a hurry. Big test of that, the car rental companies that are already under pressure for not having enough vehicles, they're out buying used cars. Probably a piece of the 30,000 units they sold a year ago thinking that demand was going to collapse. Okay, the market will adjust. It's fine. The pieces of the supply chain will correct themselves, some by the end of summer, some by the end of the year. Long term, the manufacturing will adjust in a lot of ways to the detriment of globalization, specifically China. A lot more of that will move back to the United States 
prices will be a little higher, but it's not going to have significant in impact on inflation. Okay. Thanks for joining me as usual. Happy to answer any questions. Send something along at info at shwj.com. And I'll see you next time.